everyone. I'm Becky. And this is Claire. And welcome to another episode of Podway. So this is the podcast where we discuss and chat about the musical theaters and plays. And in today's episode, we will be doing a very Potter musical sequel. All right. So yeah, I'm very excited for this one. We did chat a little bit or a lot bit um, more in length when we covered the very first installment, which is the Harry Potter musical. So if you do want to hear about our familiarity with the franchise, let's call it franchise, um, we talk about it a lot more then. I'll just ask, just in case though, Claire, any familiarity with the Harry Potter sequel in between the first episode that we've done and now? No. No? Okay. You did not take the time to explore the franchise a little bit more after we covered that I one? I mean, I know that exists, but I didn't listen to anything. I didn't read anything. Mm-hmm. Fair, fair. Uh, for me, I think the Avera Potter sequel came out in 2010. And 2010 is also when I got into Star Kids, like Team Star Kids in general. So how I heard about this one is because um, some of the classmates that I befriended, it was like first year of high school. So some of the classmates I befriended, they were talking very excitedly about it coming out. And I had no idea what they were talking about. So I figured out where everything is coming from. So I feel like I have the recency of a Harry Potter sequel coming out to thank for me being like acquainted with it at all. So yeah, I'll provide a small short summary before we go into it. And then afterwards, we're going to do a more in-depth summary with everything happening. So the brief synopsis of the show, um, essentially, we are going back to Hogwarts. So this time we're transferred back to Harry's first year. The Death Eaters suffered a great defeat in a Harry Potter musical, and they decide to go to Harry's first year so they can kill him, and then that will ensure their side is victorious. So Harry and his friend have to deal with that, but they also have to deal with a new threat coming from their new security officer, Professor Umbridge. So I think that sounds like a very interesting premise. So now we can discuss it a little bit more in length. So we pick up from where we left off at a Harry Potter musical, and we have been referencing it quite a bit until now, and it's been like two minutes. So if you do want to hear more about it, we covered it at great length um, in a previous episode. So you can just pop in, listen to that one, and then come back if you just want to know where everything is going from. So at this point, Voldemort is dead. And Lucia Smalfoy conspires with Yaxley, which is another Death Eater, um, to use a time turner to go back to Harry Potter's first year at Hogwarts, where he is still clueless and inexperienced, and then it will be easier to kill him. So by doing so, their side will win because there'll be no one to stop Voldemort, and they won't have to face consequences like sitting in jail in Azkaban, um, and they'll just have to like obey his every command, and by his, I mean Voldemort, to stay alive, so just like the good old day for them. Also, speaking of the premise, if I'm not mistaken, correct me if I'm wrong, you've seen the movies but not read the books, right? Yeah. Okay. So have you seen, read, or heard of The Cursed Child? I know about it, but I didn't read it or anything. Okay. So I'll talk a little bit about The Cursed Child because I don't think we'll ever cover it here. It is a play, by the way. It's not a musical. So well, we might be able to include it since we always wanted to play. It's okay. <laughs> Let me talk a little bit about it and we'll see. But it is also um, coming to Toronto. 
So if you did want to go, you could. And I do have the book here. I can't believe I didn't burn it, but I, I am against the practice of burning books. So The Cursed Child is something I was really looking forward to. You heard a lot of buzz about it when it was first coming out. It was advertised as the eighth installment of the Harry Potter franchise. So a continuation of the books, if you say. And um, it wasn't written at all by J.K. Rowling. It was written by two other dudes and she just like gave her stamp of approval. And the book, The Cursed Child, is essentially um, a written version of the play. So you have the script. I read it in a day. My brother read it in a day. We had a horrible time. But leading up to that, because of all the buzz, we went to the midnight um, sales portion of it. Our local library, the Toronto Public Library, made an event that was going up until midnight, up until the sales that included all sorts of like Harry Potter related things. So you got to be sorted, you got to make your own wands and potions and stuff like that. And that was great fun. And I really appreciate the Toronto Public Library. I volunteered with them. When was They're this? Amazing. 2016. Oh, okay. So it's a little bit off and it was obviously July 31st, which is Harry Potter's and J.K. Rowling's birthday. So they are a Leo. But both my brother and I were, were there, so it's always good to have somebody to share all this experience with. And then when we got to the actual reading of the book, it was the worst thing we've ever read. Oh, so no. I'm just mentioning all this stuff about The Cursed Child because they have a very similar premise. So this musical came out before The Cursed Child. This one came in 20, uh, 2010, Cursed Child in 2016, as we just found out. And it does such a better job at telling a story revolving around the existence of a time turner with the plausible villains and no need to invent Voldemort's secret daughter. Or some other bullshit. So I guess. Okay. Yeah. Spoiler alert, Claire. Sorry. (laughs) But uh, the Chris Child includes a villain in the form of Voldemort's daughter. Yeah. So. Yeah. So so hard to imagine he actually had a relationship with somebody. Yeah. The point that he will have a child. But anyways, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think this is feels more like a fan fiction. Doesn't it? Doesn't it? It's not very well written. There are people who defend this and say like, oh, this looks so much better as on stage as a play. It wasn't meant to be consumed as a book. But we all know that The Cursed Child wasn't written by J.K. Rowling. And what's the big problem of simply like hiring this team star kids like these guys like especially since the main defense that i just said like it is meant for stage this what we're consuming right now is meant for stage and it's so so much better they had the musical right here already written six years before this came out how did they miss the mark so badly so that was a tangent though it is somewhat related but i just want to extol the uh the virtues of a Harry potter sequel and mm-hmm. say that chris child is shit but <laughs> Anyway, so um, we go back in time to Harry's first year and we see him at King Cross Station trying unsuccessfully to find platform nine and three quarters. So the Weasleys enter and they help him out. And since Harry and Ron are both first years, they stick together and quickly bond over their mutual love of red vines. So Ron, along with everybody else, learns who Harry is and reveals to him why he is famous. And Harry, who has been abused at home his entire life, is suddenly very popular and is wanted. Mm -hmm. Uh, We also get Rita Skeeter, who is a journalist, coming to interview him. And she reveals that Sirius Black, a convicted murderer and the reason Harry's parents are dead, escaped from Azkaban and wants Harry dead. 
So on the train, Harry and Ron enter a compartment with a sleeping Remus Lupin, their defense against the dark art professor, who is also a werewolf, which will be very relevant later on. So they meet Hermione shortly after. Uh, They really start off on the wrong foot. They like call Hermione horrible names, like a nitro um, because of her looks. And they're kind of generally being right douchebags to her, which matches very well the book actually so the death eaters infiltrate the train and try to kill harry but he is protected by lupin who also lets him know who the death eaters are and why they want to kill him in the first place when they arrive at hogwarts we're introduced to snape who clearly hates lupin due to their time as uh, students at hogwarts and harry is thrown into gryffindor along with ron and hermione And finally, Harry also meets Draco for the very first time, and he initially offers his friendship only to be rejected because he's a racist. (laughs) (laughs) That line was so funny. Like, oh my God. This is like he owns up to it. He's proud. He's like, I am a racist. (laughs) (laughs) My father worked for the person who killed your parents. (laughs) Let's be friends. Uh, Yes, let's be friends. So um, after that, to protect the students from Sirius Black, the Ministry of the Magic had the wonderful idea of sending Dolores Umbridge to be their new security officer. So Dumbledore mistakes Umbridge for a man, and he is very smitten with her. And after that, Umbridge has a talk with the girls, and that goes pretty interestingly. (laughs) So essentially, things will go the Umbridge way, or there will be grave consequences, let's put it that way. I think she mentioned the umbrage way and the consequences that will be happening is that she'll rip their perky little boobs off, if I'm mm-hmm. correct. I think so, yeah. Yes. So all the students afterwards go to Hogsmeade, a wizarding town, except for Draco and Harry. Harry because of the Dursleys and Draco because Lucius either hates or simply neglects Draco. And to go around that, Lupin gives Harry the Marauder's Map which is a magical map of Hogwarts with all the secret passages and information on where everyone is at the castle at all times. Harry uses the map to go to Hogsmeade. Uh, Meanwhile, at Hogsmeade, Umbridge gets flowers from a secret admirer who is later revealed as Dumbledore. And the two go on a date and spend the night together. So the students tell ghost stories uh, where when they're at the town and one of the ghost stories they tell is about the shrieking shack so that's a building that is supposedly haunted and it's right there and to show her bravery and take Cho Chang down a peg Hermione volunteers to visit the shrieking shack and draw a picture of whatever monster is supposedly there and after Hermione enters the student here howling and run away except for Ron and Harry who enter to try and save her so the monster ends up being Lupin in his werewolf form, and the three run to the dark forest to escape and are saved by a centaur, Ferenz. They pronounce it Ferenz. I always grew up thinking it was Ferenze, but I'm going <laughs> to go with their pronunciation. And um, after all this excitement happened, the three bond over the experiences and become really good friends. So the next day, the students are competing in a Quidditch match in which the Death Eaters infiltrate and fail to kill Harry yet again. And Dumbledore confides in Snape that Umbridge and him didn't actually do the do because he found out Umbridge is a woman rather than a man, and he's been ghosting her ever since. Unfortunately, let's say that way, Umbridge is head over heels and uh, she becomes really aggressive towards Snape when he tries to break it to her that Dumbledore isn't really into her and Dumbledore to try to like save him confesses the truth 
and she's not handling it very well. And he, um, she threatened to take Dumbledore's job as revenge. And meanwhile, Sirius Black broke into Hogwarts and Harry, along with Ron and Hermione, decide to find him and take revenge. So they get to the Shrieking Shack where Harry sees the mirror of, I'm going to mispronounce this again, but I think it's called, like it's pronounced Erised or Erised, and it's a mirror version of Desire. Um, and it shows you your deepest wish. So Harry sees his parents and um, Sirius is there and he explains he didn't actually betray Harry's parents and convinces Harry that since he uh, sees Harry's parents in a mirror too, he's actually innocent. So Sirius broke out of Azkaban in the first place because he got a note from a mysterious person called Little D saying Harry is in grave danger. He escaped using Harry's dad's invisibility cloak and the group detects somebody is coming and Sirius hides under the cloak. So Snape enters and threatens Harry, causing Sirius to expose himself in order to protect Harry. So Sirius taunts Snape by reminding him of their school days and the fact that Harry's mom chose James, so that's Harry's dad, over him. But before Snape can actually cause any harm to Sirius, both Dumbledore and Umbridge enter. So Umbridge wants to take Harry, Ron, and Hermione to Azkaban for helping Sirius, but Dumbledore protects them by taking the blame for himself and he flees the scene, which makes Umbridge, the new headmistress. So that was act one. And then we open with um, the student being very discontent by Umbridge reign as headmistress. So Lupin tries to cheer them up by teaching them a Patronus charm, which is a spell to ward off Dementors, which were the prisoners in Azkaban. So Umbridge busts in because Lupin isn't really allowed to teach the Patronus and fires him. And Hermione tries to stand up for Umbridge and Umbridge is about to beat her up when the entire school body protects her. So, Aww. yeah, I know, right? It's so sweet because everybody has been so horrible to her. And that was a really great moment for everybody, I think. So because of this uprising from the students and from the teachers, too, honestly, she starts going mad very slowly and she decides to kill Harry. So Snape learns about Umbridge's plan to kill Harry and at first he refuses to participate but then Lucius shows up from the future and tells them of his plan to kill Harry too. Umbridge agrees to partner up with him but to convince Snape Lucius convinces um, him by saying that Harry is exactly like his dad and uh, as we know from before Snape and Harry's dad did not get along and they were fighting over Harry's mom. So Umbridge gets Harry to come to her office and she gets the other students to do manual labor to separate them all. And um, we are focusing on the students rather than Harry right now. So um, Ron comforts Hermione because she sees Umbridge in her, but he tells her that that's not the case. And I think that showed like an amazing bout of emotional sensitivity because in the books, like he has or Hermione described him as having the emotional range of a teaspoon. And this is definitely <laughs> not the case here. Um, I really like that moment. But uh, right after they had this heartfelt moment, Hermione gets a message from Little D, letting her know Harry's in danger. And um, they go to meet him, him being Little D, um, which turns out to be Draco from the future, who is helping her because he's in love with Hermione, as we know from a very Potter musical. So Draco, Ron, and Hermione disguise themselves as Death Eater to infiltrate the office and rescue Harry. And the group goes to save Sirius after he's rescued when uh, Lupin barges in saying he can prove Sirius is innocent. So through the Marauder's map, 
he saw Peter Pettigrew's name, which was um, the fourth member of their friends group and was actually the one to rat off about Harry's parents' location. It wasn't serious. So they figure out that Scabbers, who is Ron's rat, is Peter in a transfigured form. So he transfigures back into a human and Ron manages to trick him and stupefy him so they can um, show that he's the murderer to the government, that he's not actually dead. So unfortunately, it is a full moon that night. And as we know from before, Lupin is a werewolf and he transforms um, into his wolf form. And in the commotion, Peter Pettigrew's runaway and Sirius passes out. So um, Umbridge shows up after Lupin and Peter leave to reprehend the children, but Dumbledore comes to protect them, making it very clear in the process that he's gay and not her boyfriend. So mm-hmm. she easily overpowers him and refuses to take him back. And after that, kind of everything goes to shit. So to fix everything, the group uses Time Turner to go back to an hour before. Um, so the group forgot that they were being pursued by Lucius and the Death Eaters in the one hour ago timeline. So he easily found them. And um, when Draco shows his abilities to dance, he manages to overpower Lucius and recruit Yaxley, who is the Death Eater he collaborates with. So before continuing their mission, Lucius revealed that Draco's real dad is Dobby the House Elf, um, which is why Draco is afraid of falling into the body. So yeah, Lucius begin torturing the kids, but Lupin in his werewolf form saves the day by, I think he killed Lucius. Did you get that vibe? He killed him? That's what I thought too, but at the same time, I'm not sure because it wasn't very clear yeah, what, that's what they I did to him. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm going to, I'm going to say yes, yes. probably, unless killed- he comes back in the third one. I only watched the third one once and I don't think he was there but maybe I'm wrong. So yeah, they either killed him or incapacitated him in some way. So the kids arrive to the scene where Umbridge is, and before Umbridge gets to give the Dementor's kiss to Sirius, they perform a Patronus to get rid of the Dementor. So they also managed to get rid of Umbridge by giving her to the Centaurs for mating purposes. I didn't love that aspect personally but okay mm-hmm. <laughs> um <laughs> and after that Sirius is exonerated when Lupin killed Peter Pettigrew and brought his corpse to the ministry and Sirius and Lupin, Lupin leave to travel together and Draco confesses his love for Hermione but she rejects him and afterwards he meets Luna and they seem to hit it off so everything is okay with him so all in all a happy ending I'd say And that was our in-depth summary of a Harry Potter sequel. So how about we dive into the songs? So we open with Not Over Yet. What do you think? Uh, I actually really enjoy Lucius singing and his acting. I thought he was actually really, really, really fun to watch. Um, And he seems to be probably the only person who seems rather serious in in the show. When everybody else has their like joking moments or they're like trying to make fun of each other or something like he's always super serious which is I, he though i think so don't okay. you think so no <laughs> why not because a lot of his he has a lot of humor in him with the dancing and with the dancing only though he ha- okay. does a lot of ballet stuff but yes in terms of the character and what he does i think it's pretty serious no? maybe it, he derives some humor from his 
seriousness because if you remember in the song he's be like oh the dark lord would have survived if they haven't met and then they don't get it and he's like really frustrated he'd be alive what don't you get and they still don't get it and then he's like with potter gone our future will be set i think that's the lyrics and then they're like oh so maybe he's like you know how they have like the comedy aspect of having the serious guy or deadpan mm-hmm. person and then having a person who's really clueless and they derive a lot of comedy from each other yeah, so I think like when I factor him as not being not being as serious, I factors I factored his interaction with other people, but I can 100% agree as a character he takes himself very seriously. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's actually a good opening to kind of mm-hmm. link the first musical to this one cuz Honestly, I knew that there was a sequel, but I didn't know what they're going to do with it because it just seems rather done. But then the way that they decide to make the story continues is pretty clever, to be honest. And frankly, when I was watching the movie, I was also thinking like, why don't they just use the device to go back in time and to change a lot of things? That would have been so much easier. But Mm -hmm. it never really showed up again after the third movie. So it just seems like everybody forgot. Okay. Go ahead. Um, they were destroyed in the fifth book, I believe. So I don't think they showed it in the movie. But when Harry uh, Harry and Dumbledore's army broke into the Ministry of Magic, they destroyed a lot of things in the process while fighting Voldemort and Death Eaters. And I believe all the um, time turners were destroyed. So, for example, when Cedric died in the fourth book, why didn't I use that to save him? So they were literally gone the next year. And another issue with with, um, saving him is the fact that the ministry refused to acknowledge Voldemort coming back. So they would never um, mobilize the the time turners for this because they simply didn't believe that this is something that... Yeah, but you don't need their approval to use it, no? Yeah, you do. This is all ministry sanctioned. Like that's why all of the time turners were kept in the ministry. Why could Hermione use it on her own? In she was book? given, um, so she had a meeting with Professor McGonagall and she told her all the stuff she wants to study. And Professor McGonagall had to ask for permission from the higher ups to get a time turner so she'll be able yeah, to do Yeah, but she stuff. could use it at the end of the movie to save the, I can't remember what the bird or not the bird, like the creature. Uh, hippogriff, the yeah. buck- buckbeak. A yeah, buckbeak, so. Yeah. Yeah, so she doesn't have to ask every single time she uses it, but she has to have it in her possession. And she didn't have it in her possession. She returned it to the end of the third year because mm. she didn't want to stick to her crazy schedule anymore. She's like, it's too much for me. Okay, okay. But that's a great question because a lot of people had this uh, this issue, I think. Um, so yeah, personally, I also really, really love this number. I think it does like an amazing job. It has a very clear purpose of what's going on. It sets the tone really well because it's really entertaining and humorous, but it also feels like a little bit darker than a Harry Potter musical and a bit more grand. So I was like, oh, the budget is kicking in a little bit, maybe. And honestly, what more can you want from an opening number? If they set the tone well, they set the, um, uh, the song making it feel grand. They um, have good lyrics and good personalities showing through. That's what most you can want, right? And apart from that, I also really like Lucius's dancing a lot. When they pet him, like he's in the center and he has like all the hands on him. I don't, I'm not sure if you remember it, but that was really, really hilarious to me because like they're petting his hair, they're petting all of his, and he's just look intensely at the audience, like half smiling, half singing, and looks very, very pleased with himself. So I thought it was very within character because as we discussed before, he is a person who is pleased with himself and takes himself very seriously. 
Yeah. How did you like the expanded role of Lucia? So if you remember um, from last time, the actor who played him was uh, the actor. Yeah, Cedric. Yeah. And I love that they expanded him because I think he kind of stole the show here. Yeah, I like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I really, really like that they expanded his role personally, just because I think he has great comedic timing. He interacts really well with everybody. He's a really good singer and a really good dancer. He's kind of a triple threat, like acting, singing, dancing. Um, So I definitely advocate putting him in more stuff. Speaking of advocating for putting people in more stuff, um, the actor who played Quirrell, I was really sad that he didn't show up more because I also thought he was quite a triple threat. Like he's a very good, I don't know, triple, but definitely like he's a good singer and um, a good actor. And in here he was uh, Seamus Finnegan and he was James Potter. And I wish they used him more because I really, really like his singing voice in particular. Any any actors that you were missing or you wanted to see more of, by the way, compared to like a very Potter no, musical. I'm already very satisfied. The fact that uh, Joe Walker is there, so like, I'm good. yes, yeah, <laughs> uh, I love that they use him. Like, honestly, like his acting is amazing. It's one of my favorite, and he's a great comedic actor. Like every single role he has is just hilarious. Yeah, definitely. I think he's definitely easily my favorite. Well, so far we only watched three, but in all three, like his characters is always my favorite. Really? Oh, yeah. that's so good. Okay. Okay. So the next song we'll be discussing is Harry Freaking Potter. So I really like that when like the scene opens, I don't know if you remember, but they have like a musical version of going back to Hogwarts playing in the background when um, Harry is introduced at platform nine and three quarters. And I think it's a really good callback to the first musical. And also it does a really good job at setting the scene again. Um, in t- the entirety of the musical does a great job of setting a scene and making it very cohesive with um, the first musical and also with the um, what is going to come. So there's a lot of foreshadowing and I like that. Um, and also I really like the whole backstory with the headband. So if you recall from the very first one, Ron always had this really thick headband for absolutely no reason, I thought. Um, but here, like, the the reason why he wears it is because Harry originally had to hide it, his scar, but he decides to give it to Ron because he doesn't need it anymore because people love him for his scar. And I think it's really clever because you can see, A, that who Harry is going to become, and why he's becoming the way he's becoming uh, from the first musical, and also who Ron is, because he cherishes that headband so much if he wears it nonstop, and he cherishes his friendship with Harry, so it gives you an idea of what their personalities are like, even if you weren't very familiar with a very Potter musical, I think, so that was really really cool and um, I also really like the connection they have if we're speaking about Harry and Ron, because uh, their entire basis for the relationship almost is based on red vine and how they bond over it uh i think it was like one of the most wholesome moments in the show they just like had the um the question that honestly you won't really have any other answers besides red vine like favorite way anyway to favorite wine to say with like a german accent what else can you say besides red vine um so that was really really cute i love that and um 
Another backstory detail that I really like is the Dursleys. So if I remember correctly, they told him the way their his parents died and he got the scar is he was in his car in in a car with his parents and the car crashed into a crocodile and the crocodile took a knife and carved his scar into his forehead. And that he said was such like deadpan face, like he truly believed it that it was a hilarious moment to me. And I think like the last thing that really made me laugh is um, Rita Skeeter. So uh, the actress who played Ginny, who I also really liked, doesn't have as big of a role here because Ginny is like younger than um, Harry, Ron and Hermione. So they had to propose her into a different character. And she does a really, really good job with Rita Skeeter, like specifically the accent she utilizes, or she has like this fast journalistic voice I thought it was incredibly well done I mean I, I really like this number I think it's pretty evident it's very reminiscent of going back to Hogwarts so I feel like the previous number of not over yet is kind of like a prelude and then this is how things are really kicking in and a lot of numbers have parallel to their very Potter musical counterparts I think that's probably for a good reason because there's a certain way to make a story flow very well and certain numbers that will help the story flow uh, flow very well so this is kind of like the opening number that introduces each of all the main characters and it or it would be the opening if it wasn't like a flashback yeah, I agree. The song is very catchy. Like music-wise, is also very, very nice. It's just fun to see his interaction with a lot of the other people. And I feel like because we get to see how much he's very unfamiliar with his fame, it makes the next song like to have a home even stronger. That's also kind of cute, like how he goes from I'm a nobody to being the shallow self that he is in in the first musical so I thought it was really interesting Mm -hmm. and it definitely makes the next song feel more emotionally stronger for me as well yeah yeah I think like Harry's character is kind of complex because he definitely has this shallowness or vanity of being like the jock everybody likes Mm -hmm. but he definitely also has values and people he cares about and moments that you understand that he's not just a superficial character. So um, in a very Potter musical, I believe it was like Missing You, that he, the duet he had with Quirrell, mm-hmm. where he was like really um, mourning Dumbledore's death. Yeah, yeah. And in here he has several. So like to have a home is definitely one of them. Um, so I like that they're showing such a multifaceted aspect of him. And obviously they're leaning into the jock vanity stereotype for the laughs but they understand that there is more to Harry than that. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So speaking of the next one, so that's to have a home. So I really like the foreshadowing personally to Draco's to true parentage here. Um, so Hermione says something like, did you know over 600 house elves die in toilet-related incidents every year? And then uh, we also know that Draco is deathly afraid of toilets. So there is quite a lot of foreshadowing to his parentage also with the sorting hat or in this case I think it was the scarf of sexual orientation and uh he was talking to Dumbledore and he's like what some of them are bastard this Draco Malfoy for example um so a lot of clues uh so I like that they're very clever about it I think Mm -hmm. and also I really enjoy the character of Lupin I feel like he's having a lot of fun with his swearing and the reaction that the kids have to it and it can be a little repetitive, but sometimes they just like break it off in a certain way. So like in here, he has like the line of, but I'm not homeless anymore. And that kind of like broke me because <laughs> it was so sad. Um, so 
I feel like all the like repetition of having this um, joke coming again and again, it was worth it for the times that he breaks from the joke. And speaking of things that are sad, To Have a Home is a really sad or not sad, but like hopeful song. And I love that. It's a more serious moment for Harry. It also shows you that the personality shift was not quite as instantaneous as we want to believe. He always had it in him, but he also always had the appreciation to the values that Hogwarts stands for and also appreciation for bravery and friends and stuff like that. So I really like that for him. And I thought Darren Chris sounded amazing in that song. It is a very sober moment. And um, it also helps you like Harry a lot more because I feel like he has a little bit less of a character arc in this one compared to the other one. Like there's a little bit less focus on him and a bit more focus on other characters. And having that gravity towards a central character in small moments is important. What do you think? It is. It is. I like how they include the emotional song early on in the musical, too, because mm-hmm. a lot of the times when I think about a very Potter musical or the sequel, you know, like, it's so easy for me to associate the whole production to just like, oh, purely being funny. They're just making jokes and not taking things seriously. Mm-hmm. But when they do have a moments like this and make, makes you appreciate the character and what they're going through what they're experiencing and feeling I feel like it adds a lot of depth to it too and you can still enjoy the comedic aspect of the show you can enjoy all the jokes or even the swearing or some of the most random ridiculous things that they do on stage but you still get to have a taste of something that's a little bit more serious emotional and personal So I like that they do it here and I like that they try to do it not just with Harry but also with other characters. So for Hermione, she also has a solo later on that kind of speaks a little bit more into her character. So she's not just like a plain blend beat up character that everybody kind of trash on and make jokes of. Well, you're still laughing at her, you know, being bullied sometimes but you still feel for her and can appreciate the character so it's not just like a flat 2d character who's just there because they need somebody there to be funny but having this early on I think definitely helps me to like Harry a little bit more um which I did not like him at all in the first musical actually I just thought he was very shallow like he did have some nice moments too but um But yeah, I didn't really feel too much. I'd be like, oh, okay, <laughs> that's Harry. And he was so mean. And I guess like because when I watched the first musical, I didn't really know what to expect. So all the jokes that they were making, a lot of times I have to digest it a little bit before I can agree that it's funny. Because I'll be like, oh, that's mean or something. And I wouldn't <laughs> like take it too casually. Like I'll see it. pretty seriously so yeah I will say I can prepare this time <laughs> okay I think yeah the third the third musical we're watching from them already prepared you to what to expect yeah exactly exactly <laughs> and and I I think being mentally prepared for you know what to expect and all that definitely helps me like it a lot more and I don't know if it's just me but I even find the music in general to be better than the first one too but that could be just me do you find a story or characters to be better as well the writing I think it's better 
but I do miss Voldemort. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. I miss Voldemort and Quirrell so much. Like honestly, yeah. I appreciate Umbridge. And um personally, a better a very Potter sequel is my favorite out of the three. But if I could take one thing, like they did a Voldemort and, and Squirrel, I was about to say, and Quirrell <laughs> so well in the first one that I just like, I keep wanting to go watch that just for them because they're amazing. Yeah. But in every other aspect, I think like this one works a lot better. Yeah, I agree. I really miss them though. I hope that at least them, that they yeah. came over a little bit, but it didn't happen. It's still yeah. really good, but... I definitely miss them a lot. I mean, I'm glad that Umbridge has a lot of coverage. And again, Joe Walker, amazing. But I really wanted to see, I forgot the actor's name who plays um, Quirrell. Was it Brian Rosenthal or something? Anyway, I wanted to see more of him, but I'm really glad um, he did pop up for one of the one of the songs. And it was actually also my favorite song, but we'll get to it later. Um, next one, I actually don't have anything to say about it, but maybe you do. It's Hermione can draw slash Lupin can sing. I think nobody has anything to say about this, to be honest. <laughs> and not only that, it is the only song that gets a reprise too. That's true. Now that I think about it. <laughs> um, yeah, they're cruel to Hermione. She doesn't deserve it. They're also cruel to Lupin. He deserves it a little bit in here, but <laughs> yeah. Um, the next one is The Coolest Girl. So I think you mentioned that you have some stuff to say about it. So why won't you start? Yeah, I just think poor Hermione. Oh, yeah. I, I, yeah, I really feel bad for her. And I guess I always, well, before the song came up, like I always also see her kind of like as the comical character. And when she starts singing the song, I feel so bad. I almost feel guilty <laughs> of uh, laughing at the jokes. Um, and it really makes me feel for her a lot and I think that's something that the movie didn't really expand on like we know Hermione wasn't the most popular or anything and she was weird like she didn't really have a lot of friends or anything but I think this song like showcased that side of her very very well the movie did a horrible job with Hermione I just wanted to say that okay I mean I don't know about the book version so you can probably comment here Oh, okay. As a character, I think, like in general, I feel like as a character, she was very flat. So in the book, she had a lot more personality into her, and that includes character flaws, which I don't mm-hmm. think were present in the movie. And the dynamic was really different. They handled all the three main characters, so both, uh, all of them, Harry, Ron, and Hermione, they handled them very poorly. And the one they did worst on is Ron, and then followed by Hermione, in my opinion. Um, so I think in here, what I really, really love about Team Star Kids and the uh, Very Potter musical franchise is that they take the essence of the characters and they apply it to the screen in a very humorous way so well. Like they have an understanding of who the characters are and having that aspect of Hermione being highlighted is something that is really integral to her character and how she behaves. And the movies never understood that. And the books definitely like that's that's where all the source material is from. And they take that understanding straight from the source material. So I'm really grateful to have that kind of good representation of who Hermione is. Okay. But yeah, I was cutting you off. Sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. Oh, no, no, no. All good. I'm just saying that, oh, um, I don't know if you also noticed, but the first few notes of the song is the tune of Hermione can draw. Do you know that? I did not notice that. Wow. Yeah. So I thought it was a pretty clever musically as well Mm. yeah so all in all I think the performance was pretty good too I can really feel for her I feel really bad he's not there in a senior year by the way 
Sorry? Speaking of performance, she's not there in the next one. Speaking what? of performance, there's no yeah. money in the singing. There is, but they recasted her. Oh, okay, okay. Well, what do you think about the the person who replaced her? Is that a good replacement or no? Uh, I don't remember who. Repl- I think the person who replaced her is the same person who played Shahrazad in Twisted. But I don't. I I watched a Harry Potter senior year, which is the last one. Only once because I didn't like it <laughs> very oh, much, okay. to be honest. So I was a little bit disappointed. And I never watched it. Um, but if I remember correctly, the person who replaced her is Shahrazad. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. I mean, maybe one day we'll cover that as well. Then maybe. you guys can know what I think. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um. But yeah, I agree with you. I really like. Um. Her name is Bonnie something, I believe. Okay. I probably have it open up from before. Bonnie Greason. I think. Sorry if I'm mispronouncing her name, but and I really like her performance as Hermione. I think it's, again, a good way to show how far Hermione will come within the span of the musical and how much further she will come within the next musical or um, technically the previous musical. Like, it contextualizes who she is really well. And also, like, it's not a linear thing. So in here, obviously, she starts with very horrible self-esteem she takes the um behavior or the cruel behavior that everybody treats her and she just takes it with kind of a bowed head and she doesn't do much about it but she starts getting more confidence and standing up for herself and even in a very potter musical there are moments where she takes accepts like the behavior of other people if it's in a weird or mean derogatory way like i remember um, in a very potter musical there was a scene with the invisibility cloak and um ron said only two people can go under it oh yes i remember that yeah and hermione just accepted it. she won't be one of the people but then he's like come on come in hermione like we'll go under it together so i think having those moments of still seeing how she can be insecure is a really good way to show who she is as a character and having confidence is not a linear battle but something that you will fluctuate between back and forth sometimes you'll feel better about yourself or um more self-confidence sometimes other times you will not so I really like that about her I think it's also a very empowering song in terms of she knows exactly who she is and even if she's not able to communicate who she is on the inside on the outside she still understands her value and it's her it's a learning curve for her um, on how mm-hmm. to get there. In terms of the lyrics, I felt very represented or I could relate to Hermione a lot. I don't know if you could, but I definitely wasn't a cool person growing up. And I would argue I'm still not a very cool person at all. And having the struggle of showing who you are inwards um, to the outworld environment and having to be perceived by them and how to mesh that with how they treat you. That's something that I feel like is a very relatable struggle, at least for me. So I really like that song from a personal perspective on top of all the character building they're going to do. And on top of the fact that like the song is really well done, like in terms of singing, in terms of music. So every all the elements I think worked for me. Okay, so the next one is Getting Along. So do you want to go ahead? I think this song is pretty funny. It is. One thing I'll say, though, is also that I appreciate how Joe is able to keep that voice. You mm-hmm. know how he does a certain voice for Baltimore and for Umbridge? He is able to keep that voice while singing. I think that's a very hard thing to do. Because 
while speaking, you can try to pretend like a certain accent where you're trying to use your voice differently. But then for singing, I feel like it's so hard to, to do that. So I was really impressed. I wasn't too impressed by the actual vocal, but I was impressed by the fact that he was able to do that. Yeah, I think we said before, like, he's definitely a, like a, a good singer. There are better sing- singers there, but in terms of like his acting ability, unparalleled his inability to make voices also like amazing and he does improve with other musicals uh going on later so uh I I find that really admirable yeah and in terms of like the song so we mentioned before there are definitely parallels between songs within the musicals we covered so obviously the coolest girl will be similar to like Harry I think so the song Mm -hmm. Jeannie sang and also getting along will probably be similar to um different as can be because I feel like they also mention about how different they are or they highlight how different they are with the way they talk about each other because they are not really clear about where they're standing in a way so that's true that's true yeah there are definitely parallels there um I also thought it was really funny the innuendos are really cute especially since you can tell Umbridge is very new to this while Dumbledore is very suave he's confident so you get to see like the dynamic there and I just want to say like I don't understand why Joe Walker always has so much chemistry in these duets so (laughs) (laughs) I don't think it's on the level of Coral and Voldemort they're on a whole other level they're like amazing um and it is different but in my opinion he should do like these cute duets exclusively just know where your strengths lie because he's clearly doing amazing in every single one he does um so I was really impressed (laughs) um and uh, the portion of the song that I found really humorous and uh the looks in the looks they give to each other was the I think we understand each other perfectly Mr. Umbridge and she looks really confused and just like shrugs yeah <laughs> but I was really interested to to see how even though that there's a moments when you can clearly see the both of them goes like huh but they still go go on with it yeah and I'm like doesn't it raise any flags or like you're you're not concerned like you don't ask questions or I thought it was actually here? like relatively healthier because they're like oh this person is weird but I don't mind they're weird <laughs> you know that's how <laughs> I perceived it oh getting all the wrong signals yeah definitely getting their signal mixed yeah Um, I'm looking at you Dumbledore I feel like Umbridge didn't really have her signal mixed she's just a little bit oblivious Mm -hmm. to how she appears I guess but yeah Dumbledore is definitely getting his signals mixed oh for sure (laughs) um the next one is let the games begin so I really like this for a number of reasons so like Leading up to that is where they have like the whole shrieking shack thing going on. Um, so Hermione showing her Gryffindor traits and standing up for herself finally after Coolest Girl character development. And then she goes like into a shrieking shack. I feel like it's such a correct characterization of her because the movies would never do this. Like, I don't think the movies would let her have such a stubborn reaction. And in here they do. And it's really, really smart. So I love that. And I also really like that um, for the first time, Ron isn't being mean to her and he's showing actual concern before she enters. And we already discussed before that it can be difficult to like Harry sometimes, especially in a very Potter musical for you, I guess, um, because they lean so hard on making him very conceited. But you can see genuinely, genuinely that 
he tries and is ready to do the right thing and encourages Ron to do the right thing as well for somebody who's not even friends with by going to rescue Hermione. So he has really good moments here and I appreciate that a lot. It's also really funny with the Hermano nucleosis and Hermoingo Oingo Boingo. <laughs> I don't know if you remember that. No. <laughs> okay, they're like calling her and they had a running gag of not knowing Hermione's name and they keep calling her Herman or her oh I remember that now yeah and they're like calling her and they're like Hermano Nucleosis Hermano Hermoingo Boingo Boingo or something (laughs) and they just like kept inventing stuff with starting like with her uh or Herman or something was hilarious to me so I really like that I also really like the costuming here let's take a second and talk about it Ferenz or Ferenze however you want to pronounce it he got them apple bottom jeans with the boots with the fur (laughs) Because he has like this really cute all white costume with uh, tights and furry little like leg warmers. And he has a, the tiniest little hind leg and tail stuck to his tushy. <laughs> and it just so disproportionate. They're not making him drag like a really, really long, big, bulky uh, half horse portion. And they just give him the tiniest little My Little Pony looking thing. Um, so I thought it was really cute. And uh, other characters I really like, I really liked Lupin in the sequence. And I also felt really bad for Umbridge. I feel like it takes amazing acting abilities, again, Joe Walker, from making us going awe and then laugh and then go back to awe when like the whole thing with Dumbledore happens. Um, Another thing, right at the game, there is Draco coming in. And I feel like... If he stole a very Potter musical, he definitely half stole a very a very Potter sequel. And in here is when I first started noticing it because he went like, "It's my daddy, 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 you came to love me." <laughs> <laughs> and I never wanted to hug somebody as much as I wanted to hug him at this point. Aww. Right? It was so cute. And then Lucius was being such a dick to him, and uh, I felt so 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 bad. And like he was running towards him and uh, he was so happy. Like you could see the genuinely happy expression that um, the actress had on her face and it didn't go well yeah. for Draco. Yeah, um, and especially like earlier on in the musical, there was a scene when he was just writing letters to Lucius. Yeah. And he was like, oh, even though like you never write it back to me, but like you're welcome to do that anytime. I love that he said at the end of the letter is tell mama to bugger off. <laughs> It's like, um, I can see you only want the love from the people you cannot have, apparently. So, yeah. <laughs> um, I really enjoyed that interaction, even though my heart was breaking for Draco. I still thought it, it informs who Draco is as a character a lot. And I also appreciate the continuity of not letting Draco sing a so- like a solo. So you can tell um, her voice is amazing. What's her name again? Lauren something. Um, Her voice is amazing, but they never let her sing a solo. So in here, it's a continuity. She gets interrupted with this one. Like in the first one, she gets interrupted with the Pickfoots, Pickfoots. And here she literally just had a couple of singing lines starting and nothing afterwards. And that was really funny to me. 
In terms of the actual song, getting back to the actual song and not what happened to write in it, I appreciate that they played actual Quidditch game on stage while singing. It's so difficult because there is like heavy choreography that needs to go with it. There is um, multiple people that needs to harmonize all at once, which was really good. It was a very high energy number that um, also made me feel very, very excited and like what's going on here. And especially since, you know, like, Harry could potentially die or be harmed or something could be going on because of the Death Eaters. And I did get that vibe from the music itself. I wouldn't say it's one of my favorite songs, but I think it's appropriate for the scenery that's happening here. And it's Mm -hmm. also really impressive choreography wise for me. Yeah, agree. To be honest, I'm not the biggest fan of the song. Like Mm. it's more of the less memorable side of things for me. I personally don't really care about the game or like the sport or anything. So even if the first musical, when there were, I think there was a song, but he made it into like a guitar song when he was like fighting off the dragon or something. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that also was something that I would just completely. I think I just shut my mind off because <laughs> it's just something that I don't really vibe with. I think. Have you it's- seen a real life Quidditch game before? In the movie? Or no, like, like actually- a real life no okay there's the what there's- did i not talk about it last time like uft had a quidditch team and i went there to spectate once i didn't i didn't actually go in and try to be recruited or for any of any of the roles but uh you can see their actual real life quidditch tournaments that you can probably watch on youtube or somewhere else and people practice it interesting so if i'm not mistaken it follows it to an extent <laughs> Okay, interesting. I I see how passionate people are, but okay. (laughs) You're like, can't relate. I, yeah, I cannot relate. (laughs) Um, Fair enough. So after this, we go to my favorite song, which is Those Voices. Did we pass your favorite song, by the way? No, not yet. Okay. So again, thank you so much for using Quirrell's actor's voice, because I really like it. And I thought this was so heartfelt because one of my favorite relationships in the books is between Harry and Sirius because he's such a father figure to him in a way but also a friend or like a upper classmate that he can confide in so I really appreciate seeing that first connection happening here and how much Harry believes in and depends on Sirius and wants to be with him and how much they have in common as well like they both treasure Harry's parents so much and you can totally see it from the way that Sirius is acting and from the way he sings the song on the same level as Harry and how much like their connection is symbolized here so I love that vocally it's beautiful and every element here works. I also really like that it's a more subdued song, not as much high energy or impact, but it conveys the message really, really well. So at this moment, I felt really connected to the characters. So that's why it's my favorite. And I also think it's a very effective act one closer because of the way that we're ending the the first act with a more subdued song rather Mm -hmm. than something that is high energy, just lets you reflect a little bit more on what's happening and why this one is different a little bit from a very Potter musical. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think? Yeah, I can see where you're coming from. Honestly, I feel very connected to the songs and the character when the songs, I guess, happen too. Mm-hmm. But one thing for me is that I feel like Sirius' vocal isn't quite there oh. for me. I think in the version that we watched, 
he like was out of tune like a lot of the times so I was having a hard time appreciating the song as it is but I really really liked the emotional aspect of it and I think musically is really beautifully written but because of the vocal performance I am having a really hard time deciding whether this is my favorite or the other one is going to come out in act two I'm very conflicted and <laughs> <laughs> the other thing I like about the song is how much you are able to see that sort of connection happen between them like even though it's very random and Harry is just being like oh yeah I believe in this guy because he also like loved my parents or whatever and it seems like totally just like a joke but imagine if you're Harry and then there's this one other person who shares that common love towards the same people that would be so rare for him because even though that he has friends like Ron and Hermione but they don't miss his parents they don't love his parents they know that they're important to him but they don't have the same history or the same feeling towards these people and then here they here he is here he is like a total stranger but then he care about his parents as well I feel like that's a very comforting feeling to know that you're not alone in missing somebody so I can be convinced that he will naturally feel like he wants to be close to Sirius and he wants to believe in him and stuff so yeah I, I as a counter it, though what do you mean I don't think because they showed multiple time by having Sirius and Lupin fight over who's Jane's <laughs> best friend right I don't think Harry in this musical has as much of a connection with Lupin who's obviously very connected to Harry's parents as well or even Snape, who at least liked his mom very much. So I feel like there is something more unique about his connection with Sirius that, misses, that is missing with the other two. Okay, what do you think that is? That's a great question, I don't know. I feel like probably their personalities are more compatible in the way that Harry likes having fun. And <laughs> the way that he likes having fun is probably more compatible with the way Sirius is having fun compared to Lupin, and he is able to relate to him more. Mm. but I can't really put a, a finger on it and say for sure what it is okay I guess we are done with those voices so we go into act two guys like Potter what do you think I don't really have a lot to say to be honest I feel really bad for Lucia's like I think coming back to listen to the song after knowing that his wife cheated on him I feel Sorry. like oh Lucius yeah. Yeah. In this song? Yeah. Wasn't it later on? No, like, I mean, after I know the fact that his wife cheated on him and then I go back to listen to the song, I feel like he's using the song, like, guys like Potter, but, like, really guys like Dobby, probably. Oh. Didn't he say he also loved, may have loved Dobby? <laughs> I think he cared about him. Maybe as yeah. a family. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, like... If you remember in the movies, he mistreated Dobby Dobby horribly. Mm -hmm. So I found it very funny that he said he may have loved him. Um, Because I feel like in here, he talked a lot more about Dobby and about caring about him than Narcissa, who is his wife. Um, So I was like, is he jealous of Narcissa or is he jealous of Dobby? I don't think he was romantically caring about Dobby I don't think I feel like it's hinted here personally because why else would he said he may have loved him when in everywhere else he like in other franchises I mean or other iteration of the franchises he abused him horribly probably care about him as a family you know 
but he's a house elf he's a servant yeah so i don't think he cared about him his family why not because he... you, you can still care about the servants as a family no but he didn't in the books or in in the movies obviously too oh how i understand it is after he learned about their affair and that's why mm. he started to mistreat him i see okay that's an interesting way to think about it i think he loved him <laughs> because i don't think he liked like romantically Narcissa. yeah because i don't think he liked narcissa okay that's even more fucked up than what i had in mind but okay I mean, she she also loved him clearly, considering they had a child together. So I don't think it's that uh-huh. outside of question. Right. Okay. Well, how about the song? Um, I think the song is really good. Not because of Lucius. I don't think I factor him into anything at all here, but because of Snape. I'm not the person who sympathizes with Snape after reading what happened in the seventh book. I still think the way he acted towards people was a bullying behavior and I don't endorse that. So that made me feel a little bit more warmly towards Snape, but the Snape here for sure, um, compared to the books. So I think they did a really, really good job here. I actually think that Snape felt regretful over what happened with Lily. And I didn't get that as much in the books I feel like in the books he was more obsessive but here he genuinely cared about hurting her and he also felt bad with everything that happens and caring about Harry as a person because of Lily so I liked that uh, interaction that is given to him here and also how he went back and forth between wanting to preserve whatever remaining thing he has of Lily and wanting to take revenge on James and Harry uh, by extension so I think having this number also as an opening act for act two i think they keep it with the low low theme for things that are important and i like that i feel like that was really really important for snape as a character especially because he didn't have a lot of depth in the first musical he was treated much more as a comic relief Mm -hmm. and in here he has a bigger role and also bigger emotional development so i appreciate Mm -hmm. it a lot but i'm guessing this is what you were going back and forth between having your favorite oh no actually oh okay okay do you like this yeah I mean I don't mind it it but it's not my favorite okay fair enough one thing that happened here or around here that I just wanted to say when Hermione has her argument with Umbridge and she stands up for um uh Lupin before he leaves Umbridge kind of questions her and then Hermione thinks she's getting somewhere and then Umbridge says I think maybe you should be the headmaster and her face slowly falls and you can see the light in her eyes suddenly dim and evaporate completely and just the feeling of oh my god I know I messed up royally (laughs) so I thought it was an excellent acting moment that's true (laughs) um okay so the next one is stutter so what do you think (laughs) I thought it was really funny. I thought so too. Yeah. I don't think there will be any person who didn't think this is funny. The choreography, like the dancing portion with the Dementors is so funny. It's Mm -hmm. super hilarious. And it makes this show just somehow better than it already is. Um, I don't know if it's just like a Joe Walker thing or, or what, but it just seems like he has to have a dancing number in, in one of these um, musicals. And I absolutely love that. 
because with Starkid, I don't think there's too much choreography involved necessarily. So when you do see that, it's incredible. And it's I think Lucius funny. begs to differ. I mean, him too. But it's not really <laughs> a choreography. He just dancing like randomly. Oh yeah, for sure. I'm just yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I'll say the music is actually quite catchy too. Again, I hope that he sings it in a different voice, but then that wouldn't be Umbridge. But mm-hmm. I feel like musically, I would have preferred it because it would probably sound a lot nicer. But if you combine the song with the viewing experience, it's absolutely her- like very, very funny and-, and hilarious. So I do enjoy that. But I think as a standalone song, probably not, not as much, just because I didn't really like his Umbridge voice and Mm. especially in songs yeah I also thought it was really funny and I could actually see myself listening to it because it reminds me so much of like those 90s women empowerment songs so like Mm -hmm. Spice Girls or Destiny Child and I think obviously they were a big inspiration and it just screams that so if you enjoy those kind of songs I feel like you would enjoy Stutter Mm -hmm. and I feel like Joe Walker gives like a lot of energy in here that just screams pure joy and I think it not only translates in his acting and dancing performance but also in his vocals so I think having to listen to somebody who just enjoys what they're doing so much that alone will uplift me with the song itself being like the women empowerment anthem that it is so I actually really enjoyed it and I also noticed the dancing like you I thought it was really impressive the heavy lifting for the dancing definitely came from the Dementors rather than Joe but <laughs> he was still having a lot of fun which was everything. Yeah. And uh, in terms of, like, other characters, I thought Snape was, like, the embodiment of the nice guy, you know, like, those quote-unquote nice guys in this segment, and then he redeems himself later on. So having that archetype being highlighted here and then having him act like a normal person, I feel like that's a very good way to manipulate your view of Snape and having uh, unexpectedness injected into the character. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the next one I actually don't have too too much to say about because it's a very archetype, like the equivalent of what was it? Not Alone. It's very similar to Not Alone. This one is called No Way. And I think the song itself is very good. It's enjoyable, but it's not one I spend too much time thinking about or paying attention to just because it is so similar to Not Alone. Um, around it, I really enjoy Harry fixing things with Snape. I felt, I, I felt that was really wholesome. And that's what I was referring to with the nice guy having the redemption arc because Snape is uh, redeemed here in my eyes, at least. So I enjoyed a lot of things in the periphery around a song because the musical is geared to closing everything and wrapping it up all nicely. So I like that, but I didn't think the song was too, too unique in my eyes. What do you think? Yeah, this is the one I having a hard time deciding if it's my favorite or not, because musically it's really nice. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so very similar to, I guess, those voices. Like musically, they're both really, really nice in my opinion. But uh, like those voices, obviously, I feel like vocal could be a little bit better. And mm-hmm. this one, I 100% agree with you. It's nice, but it just feels like it lacks on that unique something. Like it's a very good song by itself but it's not too memorable because there isn't really too much stuff happening yeah. <laughs> plot wise so I do enjoy listening to the song but I will say it's a very hard tie between the two of them like and if you had could, to choose 
you always like to force me to choosing. It's because you're indecisive. <laughs> yeah, I am, and I like to keep it that way sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> you're decisive in your indecisiveness. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm assuming we're skipping Hermione Cantor praise. Um. Yeah. Probably. Perfect. So I really like this as a wrap up. I usually like the wrap ups like um, what was the one before? Yeah, like going back to Hogwarts. So I feel like as a wrap up, it's really, really nice. If I'm not mistaken, this is one of the other songs that Darren Chris composed before um a very potter musical and then they were pre- they repurposed it for this. Oh. So the other one, yeah, I think the other one um that had the situation was Harry, which the original uh one was called sammy i believe mm-hmm. so this is one of the other ones and it's really really fun i feel like it's very wholesome it gives you a very optimistic feeling of what to look for like when i heard them say it's not forever not forever i was like oh okay so a third one is coming and then a third one didn't come for the longest time and then we did it i wasn't a big fan of it so i was like oh okay but you promised so <laughs> um i for me it gave me like real feelings of hope and I really enjoyed that interaction. I enjoyed how they wrapped up everything and where every single character ended up being. And I also think like the foreshadowing they had here happened really, really um, uh, like meticulously. It was really nice and how everything is wrapped up. So I feel like it was really smart how they um, intervened. So if you go back to right before the resolution, so right before Days of Summer, uh, Lupin in his werewolf form was hearing like howling and later on when they turned back an hour later it was Hermione being tortured and then uh, another interaction that they had of things wrapping up was Lucius seeing the kids go another way and them in the past just thought that Lucius was being dumb and then they traveled an hour before and they realized oh they found us actually so he wasn't being dumb he was doing it purposefully so I feel like how they had a reason for everything happening, even though it didn't like it didn't look like it at the time. It just looked convenient. I really appreciated that. So a lot of narrative things I thought were very clever and very very well done, which is part of the course I think for Team Star Kids because a lot of things that happened, especially in Twisted, I think I noticed mm-hmm. it more, where a lot of little hints that they kind of dropped in their musical that we had to look for and understand why they're put there on rewatch. So they did that here too. And I really appreciated that. In terms of the song itself, just to wrap it up, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was cute. It's something that I would listen to just on my free time. It's not my favorite here, but it's definitely one of the stronger songs in my opinion. What do you think? Yeah, it's a very good um, wrap out. And I like how it goes back into, um, back to Hogwarts or whatever, the first mm-hmm. song of the very part of musical. So I like that. It actually makes me feel a little bit regretting the fact that I didn't get into Harry Potter as much because if I'm truly a Harry Potter fan, like the, you know, very devoted kind of fan, I feel like I would enjoy this tremendously. And that's not to say that I don't right now. I still really enjoy it. But I feel like if you're in that fandom for a really long time, you see a production like this that helps you kind of carry on the love because the books is over right and movies mm-hmm. over but there's new things that comes up that kind of 
help you carry on your passion for this uh for this work i feel like i would appreciate that so much um so i kind of wish that i got into harry potter a little bit more when i was younger Aww. i know that people probably say that it's never too late but i feel like it's just different if you grow up with something that just stays with you like no matter how old you get once you think about the story, the characters, the whatever is always going to bring back the really good memories that you spend, the times you spend um, reading it, watching it, or even just discussing it with friends or the times when you look for the next movie to come out or the next book to come out. So yeah, I wish I was a bigger fan. <laughs> if it makes you feel any better, yeah. this musical came out before the last movie. So oh, really? I believe the last movie came out in 2011 and this one is 2010. Okay, okay, okay. Well, I didn't know it was so long ago. It's over 10 years now. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. That makes sense. I really like it. I feel like it's a good wrap up and it's actually a very long musical. It was like three and a half hours or something. But you Is didn't. It? I think so. Wow. It didn't feel like that, right? No, no, not at all. Yeah. And that's amazing because <laughs> everything moves so fast and then things are so funny that you don't really notice the time like it's not like I'm looking at my watch or my phone and thinking oh my god when is it ever going to finish mm -hmm. it's it's not like that and uh and I think that says a lot because there's mm -hmm. a lot of musicals when you kind of get distracted or you just want it to be over <laughs> but this one it's not like every single minute is precious but overall it really has a very nice flow it's very funny it keeps the audience very engaged I feel like I'm moving into my final thoughts already. So oh I'm yeah, go gonna... for it. You can. <laughs> <Yeah>. You can. <laughs> <laughs> Overall, is it's very engaging too. Um, a lot of the jokes that I make are, well, inappropriate sometimes, but most of the time, really fun too. <laughs> so I will say I had a lot of fun watching it, and I absolutely did not expect to have this much fun. Uh, considering. When I finished a very Potter musical, I was kind of thinking like, oh my God, what was that? What did I just watch? Um, and I wasn't a very big Harry Potter fan to begin with, right? So the fact that I was able to enjoy this much watching it, I feel like says a lot about the, the team, the production, songs and everything. In terms of everything else, I think I would just actually rank it quite highly. Obviously, they're not expensive. Like the props they use, they're not crazy well-made or super cleverly designed or anything. But you do see that they have way more budget <laughs> than a very modern musical. Agreed. which is great um, and I like how even though with more budget they still kind of keep some of this chillness of it so you see repeating elements like the really ridiculous wig that Snape is wearing or like the headband that we talk about or things like that so you still get to experience like the more informal chill aspect of the production but everything else definitely level up and the quality is is there so I had a lot of fun watching it how about you um for me as I mentioned before this is my favorite out of the three so I enjoyed it more in every single aspect except for not having Quirrell and Voldemort interaction and I think that's because they really learned a lot from the previous musical they've done from a very Potter musical so everything is tighter here the 
plot is a lot tighter. There is a lot less details that shouldn't be there. So it did feel a lot shorter. Um, they planted a lot more clues and hints for people who are interested to latch onto and to figure out along the way, which was great. The characterization are a lot more significant here. They fall a little bit less towards stereotype and they diversify the type of stories they tell about people and also make sure that they still keep who the person is at their core throughout the narrative, which is something I appreciated so much considering it was missing in the movies for me. So there are a lot of aspects I think they excelled above and beyond in this particular musical. So mm. I really, really enjoy that aspect. In terms of the songs, I love the songs in the Harry Potter musical. And I think they at the very least match them here because a lot of them are similar beats to what happened there. And some of them do sound a little bit similar, like um, No Way For Me, but they still sound amazing. The vocalization of people, amazing. So uh, the things that they did really well in a Harry Potter musical, they retained. And the thing they could improve, they improved tenfolds on so they were very attentive to what they could improve so you can see that this is something they're passionate about and you can also see that from the budget they have yes they have a little bit more budget but they spend it very wisely what they have and they still keep the same feeling because they know this is what people like and this is what people go back to and a lot of the uh, costuming decision they've done like the apple bottom jeans boots with the fur they had for forense or forens um they did it in a humorous way because they understand that something like that could really draw people's attention and it can make it very, very entertaining to watch. So they use it very purposefully. So I really like that. Mm-hmm. Um, all in all, just a really, really good production. And it makes me reminisce on the books very, very fondly because it just captured it really well. So I also would rate it very highly like you. Uh, But before we go into our final rating, I tried very hard to find a quiz like we usually do, and I could not. So I got a different quiz. Okay. (laughs) Um, So this type is more testing our knowledge. So I'm hoping you are ready for a little bit of a test. Oh, no. (laughs) It's okay. It's it's very low stakes. So do you want to introduce it, Claire? Yes, it's Who Said It, a very Potter musical slash sequel. That's it. <laughs> okay, so the first question is, why hello there? Please know that there is swearing involved in some of the quotes. Consider it. So you get to choose either hi or hello. What does that even mean? Just choose one. Just choose one? <laughs> yes. Okay. Which one did you choose? I chose hi. I chose hi too. All right. Let's do an easy one. Yeah, Hermione, I'm the boy who lived, not died. God, who said that? Ron Weasley, Harry Potter. All right, I chose Harry too. Next one. The last question was hopefully very easy. This one is, that is a Boss Zephyrin poster. Who said it? Albus Dumbledore, Ron Weasley, Harry Potter, Hermione Granger, Draco Malfoy. Ron? Okay. I chose Ron too. Okay. A little harder now. Hopefully not that hard. Actually, I have heard, sorry, actually, I have heard those things, Harry, about a thousand times, but never have they ever, never have they been told to me with so much sass. Drop the attitude, Harry Potter. You are acting like Garfield on a Monday. Draco Malfoy, Hermione Granger, or Ron Weasley. I'm gonna say 
Hermione. Me too. Next one. Sorry if the last one was too hard. You're Harry Potter. You're the boy who lived. Ginny Weasley, Ron Weasley, Hermione Granger. Ginny? I'm going to choose Ginny too. This one should hopefully be very easy, but who knows? Dumbledore. What an old coot. He's nothing like Rumble Roar. Rumble Roar is the headmaster at Pigforts. He's a lion who can talk. Okay, this one's definitely Draco. Yes. <laughs> this one might be a little hard, by the way. Dancing is for pansies. The options are Draco Malfoy, Harry Potter, Ron Weasley, Gregory Goyle. Draco? Okay, I'm going to choose Goyle. Okay. This one is very easy. Hufflepuffs are particularly good finders. Ron Weasley, Hermione Granger, Albus Dumbledore, Cedric Diggory, Harry Potter. Cedric? I'm going to choose Cedric too. Here's two different quotes, since they both are bomb. Malfoy, you little shit. Hermione Granger, shut your ungodly lopsided mouth and quit interrupting. 20 more points. God, for the clever switch of your age, you really can be a dumbass sometimes. 10 points to Albus Dumbledore, Harry Potter, Ron Weasley. Dumbledore. <laughs> Same. Next one, in response to, can a person be a portkey? No, that's absurd, because then if a person were to touch themselves, they would constantly be transported <laughs> into different places. Severus Snape, Albus Dumbledore, Hermione Granger, Draco Malfoy. I'm going to choose Snape because there's the word absurd. Yeah, <laughs> that's very smart. Yes, I'm going to choose Snape too. Next, I chose two different ones. You think killing people might make them like you, but it doesn't. It just makes them dead. You little shit. Severus Snape, Lord Voldemort, Albus Dumbledore. I think the first one comes from Voldemort, but then the second one I thought is comes from Dumbledore. Hmm. But so I'm gonna one? choose Voldemort. Same. And another one. What? No, that was simply a fart. Professor Quirrell, Albus Dumbledore, Lord Voldemort. Quirrell. Same. Next one. These are from a very Potter sequel now. So what we're talking about. I am in rage. This is the maddest I've ever been. Harry Potter, Lord Voldemort, Lucius Malfoy, Dolores Umbridge. Harry Potter? Same. Sirius Black, Sirius Black. Oh, checkmate. Sirius Black. <laughs> I remember <laughs> this. Hmm? You remember this? Yeah. Okay, so you want to say it? This is Snape? Yep. Hermione can draw, Hermione can draw, Hermione cannot draw. This is everyone. Harry, Harry Potter, Ron Weasley, literally everybody. Yeah, definitely everybody. Yes. Red Vines. What the hell can't they do? Ron Weasley, Harry Potter. I actually don't know, but I'm going to choose Ron. Me too. It's uh, my daddy. Daddy, daddy, you came to love me. <laughs> Which one do you think this might be? Uh, Jacob. Yes. Oh my God. Umbridge, stop texting me. Albus Dumbledore, Lucius Malfoy, Severus Snape. That could be Lucius or Dumbledore, actually, now I think about it. So which one? Um, I'll choose Dumbledore still. I'm going to choose Lucius. Harry, I am homeless. Can I live with you? Sirius Black, Ron Weasley, Remus Lupin. Definitely Sirius Black. Yeah. <laughs> one time a Dementor kissed her and it died. Seamus Finnegan, Harry Potter, Ron Weasley. Finnegan. Yes. <laughs> there you go. You have a quote from him. I hope now you can match a face to the quote. Don't know. No can do, but it's okay. <laughs> if I catch you with any boys or alcohol, I'll rip your prickly little boobs off. 
Alvis Dumbledore, Dolores Umbridge. Umbridge? I'm going to choose Umbridge too. Okay, that's it. Bye. 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 I got 88%. I got 96. Wow, that's really good. What did I get wrong? Did they tell you what you got wrong? I'm pretty sure no. I got everything right. Oh, they do. So if you oh. go to the answers. Yeah, I see the answers, but I don't see what I got wrong. It doesn't show me anything as being wrong. Does it show you anything as being wrong? Yeah. Okay. Then I don't know why I got 96 because everything is right. Interesting. Maybe it doesn't take into account the why hello there and bye. Maybe. But somebody got 100%. Who could possibly get 100% if it doesn't? Interesting. Um, anyway, this is going to be my serial killer backstory, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm joking, obviously. So let's go into our... This was easy, by the way. You found this easy? It's okay. You got an A, an A, yeah. So you must have paid very good attention <laughs> after only watching it once, right? It's very fresh, I'll yes. say. Yeah. Even a very Potter musical. You remember that one pretty well, too. Like, pretty much. Oh, it was well. not too difficult, I don't think. Okay. Well, I'm very proud, at least. But... Okay, so let's go into our very final ranking. Drumroll, please. I'll give it 8 out of 10 red vine. <laughs> okay, I'm going to give it an 8.5 out of 10 Tyler Lautner posters. Okay, good okay. one. Thank you, thank you. There we have it. Um, so I guess this is... Uh, everything you will have from us for a very Potter sequel. I think we both enjoyed it quite a bit. Okay, so if you want to talk to us about this episode, any previous episode we covered, or you want to give us a recommendation for something to cover in the future, you can contact us at Podway Podcast on Instagram, Reddit, and Twitter. Or if you're not a social media person, you can contact us at podwaypodcast at gmail.com. All right. Thank you very much, everybody. Have a good day. Bye. Bye.